1: Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Govosden, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, including the annuals, which Mark, we all know count.
2: And I'm mischievous Mark Chinacchio, and I own every issue of Amazing Spider-Man, but the annuals don't count. I also don't own the Amazing Spider-Man index issues. I also don't own those issues, Dan. Like, so what's up with that? Do those count? Do the indexes count? I don't think so,
1: but... Um, That's because you
2: know, <laughs> sure. There we go. I found you.
1: <laughs> but yes, we can never really tell what counts and what doesn't, uh, but that doesn't matter because what we're talking about today does actually count. And that is, we're going to be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Volume 5, number 43. That's Legacy number 844, which is written by Nick Spencer, pencils by Ryan Otley, inks by Cliff Rathburn and Ryan Otley, colors by Nathan Fairburn and D. Cunniff, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And this issue was first released on May 27th, 2020, deep from within the hearts of the coronavirus and political and un- racial unrest in the country it's good times we're talking about spider-man comics so all things are good in the world it's the first new spider-man comic in over two months and we're joined by a special guest introduce yourself special guest hi
0: i'm xavier mendoza from the youtube channel godzilla mendoza nothing too much special about me i'm just a kid who loves spider-man enough so that i have done a lot of videos on him on my own channel both on his games and cartoons and even a few cosplay tutorials so if you ever wanted to know how to sew a spider-man costume from scratch i've got a couple videos for you usually just like talking about comic book stuff so you know go check that out
1: great well let's get to our review of the issue Mark, we've been waiting two months for Spider-Man to return. (laughs) The final previous issue was The Amazing Gog. Yeah. And uh, Spider-Man is back, so welcome back, Spider-Man. We missed you, but Mark... Was this worth waiting two months? I mean, that's that's a, that's an unfair thing <laughs> to, to throw at a comic.
2: I mean, I'm going to say, I mean, the storyline ended at a very awkward point. If like, you know, like we were even joking at the time, is this the last issue of Amazing Spider-Man ever or the last print issue? We're back and obviously it's a continuation of that story and it feels no different. I mean, like... This wasn't, again, I enjoyed the last issue in terms of, like, like, just kind of as a one-off. Like, oh, we finally got a Gog origin that I've never asked for, but it was well done. And this is a kind of, you know, as a continuation, for the most part, it's kind of well done. I mean, this whole Lifeline tablet story seems to have just kind of completely gone out the window. But there are some fun moments in it. But again, like, as this series has continued to do over the past year and change is I just feel like we just keep spinning our wheels and not really getting anywhere significant with the, with this comic book. I mean, am I off the mark on that assessment, Dan?
1: No, not at all. I mean, I, I can, I can ultimately enjoy how this comic resolves itself in some ways. Like the, I think the Gog stuff is paid off well, but it's like, to me, this was a case of like, like a big switcheroo, you know, it's like if you promised us lifeline tablet stuff and kingpin stuff was finally coming to a head and yes we made some small movements for forward in that but then it was like nope we're being distracted by gog and to me this is like you know we i keep saying this with the nick spencer run is like there are these repeated pacing things that drive me crazy about this book that i can ultimately enjoy elements of each story but it's like First of all, why did this need to be three issues? And second of all, are we going to keep delaying this story arc?
0: I was just going to say, like, I I was a little surprised reading it because I I felt like by the end of it, I had completely forgotten that the tablet was even a part of the story. It was just like Gog completely hijacked the entire thing. And now I I, like they end on that note. And it's like, did they get all the tablet pieces or are they done with it? Like, it it just seems to be completely dropped in a weird way and i i I feel like this has happened with a couple of different storylines in this run so far and it's like it's frustrating because like the execution is always in my opinion pretty good like I'm, i'm really enjoying these stories i enjoy the way he writes these characters like the dialogue is great the character interactions are are very fun but like the actual like you said the pacing just feels weird because sometimes the focus just gets kind of randomly shifted to something else at the last second. And then you're like kind of scrambling to remember what the original point of things were.
2: Yeah. And not only does the tablet get dropped, but like, I feel like the whole interaction with Kingpin is so abrupt here. I mean, like, you know, here's Kingpin. He's obviously this, Formidable figure, both in the Marvel universe and, of course, in Spider-Man's universe. And, you know, we've been kind of building about, you know, w- what is what is up with the Kingpin? What What is he trying to accomplish here? We figure out it's related to the Lifeline tablet. And, you know, they, Kingpin launches this assault on Gog. And, like, the whole thing is, like, basically resolved with Kingpin in, like, a, a couple of panels. I mean, it, it's, it's basically Spider-Man webbing his mouth shut and then webbing the helicopters. And I was just like, wait, that's it. They just completely, where did he leave? Yeah. Like, like, like like, he was after the tablet. They had it. He's the mayor of New York city and he's, he's, and he's Wolf he's Wilson bleep and fisk. Like what the, like, like seriously, that's like after Fifty something years of comics. That's the all he needed was to get webbed in the mouth. (laughs) That's why Daredevil could never beat him is because he just never thought of that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, (laughs) it it was a very poor resolution for something that I mean. And yeah, there there could be it's to be continued. So there's more to come. But like, yeah, it seemed like spent. You know, the 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 shiny object or the squirrel seemed to be Gog here, and it's like, okay, well, let's get back to Gog, and what are we going to do with Gog? And like, it just. It's not that I didn't enjoy the resolution with Gog but like seriously why why have we spent so much ink on Gog yeah, the last two I issues I agree. this is ridiculous
0: it didn't really need to be 3 issues I think you could have told this story this whole story in one probably like maybe the the backstory flashback stuff for Gog wouldn't have been as as developed as it was but like you said like who's really asking for that like it's just like a completely throwaway character like just a a cliff note in like a marvel encyclopedia so i, I don't i don't know how much that's really going to add to anything i i guess just to kind of for the emotional resolution of them deciding to inevitably adopt him so i i don't know there, there was just like a weird prioritization of information and maybe some of the stuff with uh boomerang and why The tablet is important to him specifically could have been eased back on a little bit, but for sure, this just didn't need to be that long.
1: I mean, how many issues of this comic did we spend in the exact moment where they encounter Gog in the sewers like the whole first issue of this trilogy of issues? is couched in like a simultaneous flashback while they're fighting off the vermin and discover Gog. Then the second issue is like an even further flashback of another character's perspective. And then the third issue we start there again. Oh yeah. That, that first issue too,
0: it was Peter telling the story of Boomerang, telling him the story of how they got there. And like, it, it got a little bit confusing exactly whose caption box was explaining what at that point. I
1: mean, it, it is weird that Nick Spencer writes Spider-Man like an omniscient narrator. That's something I, I, I we've brought up on the show a number of times, and I can't really get over.
2: The, the, the GOG infatuation again. I mean, like, I hate to provide an assumption about why are we doing this? Why are we kind of going back and back and back over this? But this really does feel like an instance of a creator you know, in reviewing the archives of Spider-Man, kind of hitting upon something that like specifically tickles his, his or her's fancy and like the, just kind of sticking with it, regardless of the fact of this has actually served the story. This has actually served the series. This is, you know what I mean? Like, like, is, is this doing anything beyond just kind of making Nick Spencer happy? Right. Uh, you could tell he loves the Dematis run
0: like a lot, like a lot, a lot, a, a lot of, stuff he's done is following up on jm de storylines from spectacular way back in the day but like gog doesn't really seem to be kind of a part of that it's it just kind of seems to throw off that theme and not really have much of a connection to anything else going on it's just out of nowhere because like vermin is one thing
2: Yeah, and Vermin, I mean, again, the way he was written under JMD, Vermin was kind of this fascinating character study to get further in. But, like, we're not even really getting that context here with that. I mean, you know, I I guess Gog is playing the role of Vermin here where we're getting this, like, all out of nowhere deep story. But again, like, Vermin was also JMD's creation in the first place for Captain America. So, like, it kind of made sense that he would kind of be stuck on this. I feel like Spencer is kind of cherry picking what from Spider-Man's past he wants to... Mind for extra content but but again like the the broader question is like you know like okay he's the creator he can do what he wants but it's like like what is this ultimately serving i i I guess it stands to be seen but it's like you know why are we going back over this ground in lieu of something that could maybe be like i mean it seems like the overarching arc of this run has been this lead up to um, kindred and and the marriage and the relationship with MJ like that seems to kind of be the focal point of everything that's going on here and yet like now we're dealing with Gog and Peter getting a house pet and I just don't get how this ties into anything. Even I didn't even get the no like the
0: the idea that like that tablet or anything was really important to the all of the Kingpin stuff initially like that again that just felt like introduced kind of randomly in this story has that ever been brought up that that was something Kingpin was going after in this arc before or like this run before
1: yeah he's been going after he's been trying to revive Vanessa Fisk is what we kind of uh, have assumed like can he he and Kindred have a relationship that you know I think tipped into him resurrecting Vanessa Fisk, and then he's been going after this thing that Boomerang stole ever since the free comic book day. I mean, I think the Lifeline tablet was a fine resolution to that storyline. I don't know that it needs to be stretched out this long, but it's just so bizarre that this isn't the end of it. I mean, that's also to say, I don't really know what the end of this book is suggesting, because it says to be continued at the end, which is, like, true of every Spider-Man comic, right? (laughs) Except for, like, I guess, Amazing... Spider-Man 700 said The End, I guess. Uh, I can't really remember. But it's like, okay, is it to be continued that this story is going on? Or are we moving on in the story of Amazing Spider-Man? Because the next issue looks like it's a Kindred issue.
0: That that looks like one of those clickbaity kind of covers where it's like it's not really going to be any kind of confrontation if anything I would bet that they're waiting till exactly issue 50 before anything is going to happen
1: that's what we've been saying for a long time is that the issues 49 and 50 because they get the double 50s the 850 and the 50 will, will be the will be the trick and you know Nick Lowe is already advertising it as such on Twitter saying you won't Be prepared what we have for in issue 49 for you. You won't be prepared Um,
2: because you won't have the money for it, but (laughs) exactly.
1: (laughs) They're gonna do those ten two ten dollar issues back to back. But for me, it's like the next issue, look if you look at the solicit, it's a different artist. So it's like to me, like Ryan Otley tends to kind of do these like three or four issue stories and then close them up. So are we just moving on? Is the, Are we never going to mention the Lifeline tablet again? Does Boomerang still have a piece of it? We'll catch up with it again in a couple
0: issues. That's something this run does a lot is it'll bring something up, like just a little bit, tease it for like one storyline, then kind of forget about because like, like even Boomerang being like a central figure, like they just take big breaks from him being in the book at all. So they'll do like a storyline with him and like the superior foes kind of, sort of uh, something like that or uh that all-female supervillain team but like there's like whole arcs of like 10 or 11 issues between there where like i don't even think he's like he shows up so i I could imagine that like we're not going to get any kind of resolution on on the tablet stuff for until like we're in like issue 55 going on 60 something like that
1: we'll find out i suspect it ties into kindred in some way because i feel like the way this is going is spencer's like holding back on all these threads to pay off in one issue or two issues which to me like cool if you do it it's frustrating to wait two years to have a story any story of your run really conclude conclusively I mean I guess that's comics like things just keep Going but I think in Spider-Man this is A really dramatic change For the way that these stories have Been written so speaking of like Teases we get this two page Backup with the Sin Eater's boots and a Giant vault door And it's a tease I guess for the Sins rising arc we're getting in The next few issues but like Are we supposed to recognize This door like This issue had 19 pages of of art and then these two extra pages. So it's like shorter than a normal issue. And two pages is just a door banging. Like, what am I supposed to take away from this?
0: Looks like a vault. So that made me think like supervillain prison in Colorado, the vault. Uh, But like, I don't think that really plays in anything related to Sin Eater. So I don't, nothing about it like specifically struck me as being something that should be recognizable it just kind of looked like generic sci-fi Marvel locale
2: yeah I mean I, I I looked at it a couple times Dan because like when you were actually originally texted me about this a few days ago Dan and you were like what's up with the vault and I was like I had read this issue on my phone because I'm still waiting for my hard copy to come in so I tend to miss details when I do that so like I like went over it a bunch of times After you called that out to me and I was still like, nope, don't don't know what that is. That does that I do not get this reference at all. So I guess we'll find out.
1: Yeah, I figured maybe it was like Silk or something. So I went back to Amazing Spider-Man volume three, number four. And no, her door looks nothing like that to her vault. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, the lizard was like talking about locking himself in a vault, but I think ultimately Spider-Man convinced him to not do that.
0: It could probably be something super, super obscure, like something that Nick Spencer particularly liked at some point, like 20 years ago and is like, you know, what? I'm going to do a follow up to that. And when it gets revealed, maybe all of us will be like, oh, it's that thing. But like, just trying to think of it off the top of our head, it's like nothing really comes to mind because so far yeah i get a a sense that he just really loves trying to he he does two things with this run is either tries to follow up on something that he really liked even if it be really random like gog or just bringing in boomerang because he had so much fun with him in superior foes or just doing what i think is just damage control for arcs that kind of didn't go anywhere weren't satisfying or like just weren't handled well previously like kind of anticlimactic revival of Craven and then kind of reaffirming that death and redoing it again. So that Craven's last hunt kind of sticks now, you know, things like that. So I would, I would venture to guess it's something in that realm is either fixing something he didn't like or adding to something he did.
1: I feel like if you're stumping us, you're kind of like failing at teasing In some way, like if we don't get it, no one's going to get it. Like, I I feel fairly confident in that suggestion. What'd you guys think of the art in this issue? You know, Otley back again, I think always a stunner, but you know, this one, I, I, you know, even though the page count was low, I, I I was pretty thrilled. Oh, I especially love
0: that big, like two page spread early, early on in the issue that looked really cool. And I love the spaghetti webs.
2: Yeah, very McFarlane esque, and I would say you know the mechanics of Gog getting the pin particles and everything were well executed visually. You know everything seemed pretty, you know, pretty clear. The action was very good to follow. I mean, you know, putting aside the vault door, which is not easy to follow, but I mean, was that even Otley or was that done by another artist? That la- those last two pages. It's a different artist. Yeah, yeah. I'd say like, but no, I mean, like this is this is Otley's wheelhouse. I mean, like you know, again, like. Otley, unfortunately, has kind of been a sporadic presence on this on this series, regardless of the fact that these issues have been sporadic lately. But, you know, where he has been used in terms of the story and the visuals have all been perfectly matched to his strong suit. So I
0: really liked the, uh, the flashback to this, the city, by the way, the alien city that looked like a lot of his work on invincible. And I, I thought that was like something he was clearly having a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: With. I, I, that's the thing I was most excited about bringing Otley on this book for is it, like how much he could kind of bring his invincible magic to this. I did. I did want to point out that, you know, you may have noticed that the last few pages of Otley's work, like suddenly take a dramatic Shift in terms of the inking like it goes from like cliff Rathburn's really crisp clean lines to something a little less detailed and kind of sketchy And so I reached out to cliff to see what was up because like otley is actually credited as an inker here And cliff says that the deadline he told me on twitter that the deadline suddenly shifted because of the coronavirus, So he wasn't able to actually ink the pages and otley took over and you know the inks are really scratchy. So like part of me wonders if, you know, these are Otley's pencils that were kind of like scanned darker or, or, or turned into inks because they're just not as crisp as inks. Although I don't know how much Otley inks his own stuff. I own a page of Otley's work from invincible and I, his pencils are pretty clean. So I don't really know what happened here, but it really was a noticeable shift for me. I was like, Ooh, what happened? And you know, it's totally forgivable because they were up against a shifting deadline because of the pandemic, but an interesting kind of thing like that, the pandemic actually, you can see its effect inside the pages of this comic, which is funny because like, I didn't think that this thing was so, you know, immediate, like Cod figured this kind of thing would be done months ahead of time, but maybe Marvel was trying to work ahead to get a bunch of early stuff done because they knew the pandemic was coming and they may have to like, they had early warning signs. There's some narrative there that I'd love to kind of pick apart one day. But uh, interesting that it shows up in the pages of this comic. Okay, so you know, rounding out this conversation, we like to give grades to our comics here. We do like a kind of like high school grading system, A to to F. I don't know if there's really been an F on our show, Mark. Although I think we've definitely gotten close over the years. Xavier, since you're uh, here and you, you're going to join in arbitrarily because we don't really know how you grade yet. What kind of a grade would you give this show or not show? What kind of a grade would you give this issue if you I were to would give it a one?
0: Give it a, give it a C. Like, I feel like the art is, uh, really elevates it. The, the characters do a lot for it. Cause I, I appreciate how character driven a lot of it is, but In terms of continuing on the actual overall story, it's just a little bit, a little bit finicky, a little bit unfocused, but I don't know you can always fix that somewhere else later on down the line. There's, I never say never. I feel like it could be building up to something really cool. So yeah, about a C it's not terrible, nothing bad, but like nothing
2: mind blowing. I mean, I was tap dancing around a C as well, but like, I'm kind of like, as in talking about this and thinking more about it, it's, it's, you know. Again, it's nothing bad, but like I, I I, feel like we're still kind of repeating the same things that have been, you know, perpetually frustrating about this run. So I'm going to give it a C minus.
1: And uh, Xavier, I'm with you. I'm going to give it a C as well. I just that Otley art brings it up ever so slightly for me. But yeah, I, th- this book is just kind of on like uh, not autopilot. It's just kind of stalling for me. And I'm ready for issue 49 and 50. If only so that this book can move on. Like let's get, let's get these storylines over with and like move on to some ideas that aren't going to take quite so long. I don't know if it's like a TV brain that has like infected this book, but it's just not paced the way I expect a Spider-Man book to be paced. So, uh, so yeah, well, Hey, Xavier, thanks for joining us for this review.
0: Oh yeah, no problem. It was, it was nice hopping on again. And, uh, talking about this little one-off i uh read it today just just for this and uh gave me a good excuse to actually catch up on the book a little bit because i was behind
1: and uh where can we find your thoughts on all things spider-man and other pop culture
0: oh uh you can find me again at my youtube channel godzilla mendoza i'm sure it'll be linked somewhere adjacent to this episode but uh over there, I, like I said, I review comics and games and uh, action-y cartoons and do cosplay tutorials and the occasional video essay about comics themselves. Not necessarily all Spider-Man stuff, but there is a lot of Spider-Man love
1: on that channel, so come give it a watch. Well, awesome. We definitely will. Mark, I guess it's that time to, to bring the show to a close.
2: Yeah, so we want to say obviously thanks to you, our our wonderful listeners and viewers for tuning for tuning into this episode of Amazing Spider Talk, and of course thanks again to you, Xavier Mendoza, for stopping by. Dan, what else? Who else do we want to thank here?
1: Yeah, this episode was edited by Rick Coast with production support from Andy Myers. Our artwork comes handcrafted, as always, by artists Ron Friends, Sal Busema, and Ray Sumser, and our theme songs were produced by Ryland Bojack, Tony Thaxton and spider Madge. This episode was originally released on Patreon as a live stream hangout with us back when the comic was first released. So if you'd like to help support the show's continued existence and these reviews while joining us on the live stream, why not head on over to our Patreon and side up?
2: Uh, so, until Gog and Alpha team up to become the newest iteration of the Spider Friends. I guess Gog is Miss Lion in this instance. Uh, what is our motto, Xavier? With great
0: podcasts, there must also come the amazing Spider Talk. Don't,
1: don't miss the next